Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. And now, streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app, this is WEEI Late Night with Brian Barrett on Boston Sports Original WEEI. All right, let's get after it. Bruins and Celtics both in action. Celtics about to get underway. So this is your place tonight to talk Patriots, to talk Red Sox, and quite frankly, there's more going on with both those teams right now, even though they're not playing, than the Celtics and the Bruins. The Bruins are going to be well in the playoff race. They have an opportunity to make a run. Same thing can be said about the Celtics. There was a lot of drama going on with both the Red Sox and the Patriots. So the Red Sox are on the table all night. If you want to weigh in the Red Sox, you certainly can. But I want to start with the Patriots. How worried are you about this team entering 2022? And in particular, how worried are you about the quarterback considering what the roster looks like? 617-779-7937 is a number with you up until midnight. So I just, I can't get over what has happened to this roster over the past couple of days. Or what I should say hasn't happened to this roster over the past couple of days. It just feels like the opportunity for Mac Jones to take a leap. I'm talking about a leap. I'm not talking about a little bit of progress. I'm talking about a leap. The chance for Mac to make that leap next year, uh, you really got to thread a needle because you got to show me how Mac Jones is going to take a leap next season based on what this roster currently looks like. There's a lot of things that have to go right, and it's not just the roster. It's the coaching staff as well, right? So let's go through all this stuff here. So first of all, he had a pretty good offensive line last year. I think we can agree on that, right? Pretty good. Pro Football Focus had them ranked as the ninth best offensive line at the end of the season. Isaiah wins 74.5 grade. Ted Karras, 73 grade. Oh, yeah, he's gone. David Andrews, good player. Nobody's doubting that. 77.5 grade. This out of 100, of course. Shaq Mason, 86.3 grade. Yeah, he's on the Bucks. He's not here anymore. He was your highest graded player by pro football focus last season. Not just the offensive line, in totality. He was the highest rated Patriot, and that may say something else about the team. Trent Brown, 78.3 grade. Was really good, was injured, played the nine games, was really good in those nine games, but he's visiting with Seattle. So if you look at their pass block win rate, ESPN's metric. By the way, Shaq Mason in that ninth among guards, 95%. Andrews fourth as a center, 96%. The Patriots as a team, 11th in pass block win rate. So they had a really good offensive line last year. The problem is, Karras is out. Mason is out. There's a chance that Trent Brown's out, which to me, if this happens, this is just a complete disaster because I looked at what happened with Shaq Mason. My hypothesis, or at least my educated guess, I guess that's the same thing, right? My educated guess was essentially that 
if they were trading Shaq Mason to the Bucks, and I know people are putting it out there like they have to be cap compliant. You can figure out ways to be cap compliant. Okay, let's stop with that. The Buccaneers entered free agency, negative $14 million. Okay, you can be cap compliant. But nonetheless, just getting back to my original point, I'm already digressing right now. But anyway, so you look at it in terms of, I felt like, okay, if they're making that move, that means they know they're getting Lyle Collins, and maybe that still happens. But they must have a deal done with Trent Brown, right? Because that means, okay, maybe that means Isaiah Wynn goes into one of the guard spots. Maybe that's what their plan is, right? But they had to have figured that Trent Brown was still going to be here, that they were still going to have Trent Brown as part of the equation, and apparently he may be out. So I find it very difficult to look at the offensive line right now, even if you get Lyle Collins over from Dallas, that it's going to be better. Ted Karras, by the way, well, I already mentioned him. He's out, but James Ferentz is in. Well, that's great because he was on the damn practice squad last year. Guy wasn't playing in games last year, but he's the replacement at guard for you. So I just look at this offensive line. So one way that Mac Jones could potentially get better next year is he could have an elite offensive line. Maybe this group meshes together. They're even better than they were last year. Oh, yeah, that's not going to happen. You're going to bring in new guys. And Ferentz, no matter what you say, that guy's a downgrade. Now, maybe, and you got to on when you hear as well, but maybe you find somebody in the draft. But as of right now, it's very difficult for me to project that the offensive line is going to be significantly better than it was a year ago. In fact, from where I'm standing right now, where I'm sitting right now, I'm not standing, but where I'm sitting right now, it's going to be worse. Okay, so that's one thing that makes life more difficult for Mac Jones entering year two. And then I look at the weaponry. So they haven't added a number one guy. I mean, that's crystal clear. They have nice guys, as I like to say, on the periphery. I love Kendrick Bourne. Eh, Jacoby Myers, fine. But I love Kendrick Bourne. I think he was underutilized last year. Hunter Henry had a really good season. Johnny Smith, not so much. Nelson Aguilar, not so much. Although, I do think there's more to the Aguilar story. I don't feel like Aguilar sucked. I just feel like they didn't throw him the ball much. But anyway, just getting back to my original point, if they don't upgrade that position, I feel like this is the five aces from the Red Sox. Remember? Wade Miley, Rick Porcello, Joe Kelly... Clay Buckholz, Justin Masterson. That's my last one, Justin Masterson. That's what I feel like the receiving core is for the Patriots next season. It's the five aces. You don't have a number one guy. You don't have the alpha and the omega of the offense. You don't have Randy Moss, obviously. You don't have Rob Gronkowski. You don't have a number one option that the defense has to game plan for. So that's why I keep coming back to this. That guy's not out there in terms of free agency. I'm sorry, I've never been sold on the whole Allen Robinson idea. Not into that, okay? The guy doesn't get open. He was third last in the NFL last year in terms of separation per route. So when he was targeted, he wasn't open. You think Mac's going to throw the ball up like Joe Burrow does into tight windows? No, Mac doesn't do that. He didn't do that in his rookie season. Obviously, he didn't do that at Alabama because everybody's open all the time. So I don't see Mac doing that next year. It's just not a good fit. I know that he was good two years ago, wasn't good last year, injury, a lot of drama there. No, not sold on him. So that player doesn't exist unless there is a trade for DK Metcalf. If he's upset in Seattle, which he could be. I mean, we could find out that DK Metcalf's upset in Seattle because who the hell is their quarterback going to be? I mean, they're not even in, it appears, in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, and maybe that happens before we leave here tonight because there's a lot of traction with that move. But my point being is now, based on the fact that the market has dried up, my dream, Chris Godwin signed back with Tampa, you're going to have to do it in the draft. You can't find that guy in free agency right now, so that's why – If the Patriots don't draft a receiver 21st overall, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be irritated because, again, another way that Mac Jones could take a leap forward, a leap, not a little step, a leap, is if he has a legitimate bona fide number one option. I feel like we've said this before, but how about Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, he got better. Joe Burrow, 
Oh, yeah, he got Jamar Chase. This is ordinarily how it happens in the NFL. You need to get premier weapons. Right now, the Patriots receiving core is the five aces that the Red Sox had. Remember that season for the Red Sox did not go particularly well. They need to upgrade at the receiving core, and now they're in a position that guy is not out there on the open market. Maybe you could figure it out via trade if DK Metcalf's available. And I like Lockett a lot, but here's the problem I have with Lockett. He's 30. This team's not winning a Super Bowl next year, and it is, he was eighth in receiving yards. He's a down-the-field threat, all that stuff. But how long is he going to be here with Mac? I'd like to get a guy more similar to Max Adrian's. That's why I identify DK Metcalf, even though Lockett was the better player last year. I believe DK Metcalf can be, and he's kind of proven he can be a number one option. And then I look at the draft. That's the other way to do it. 21st overall is Alave there. Maybe you got to go with Jamison Williams, even though he's coming off an injury. Traylon Burks may dr- drop because he had a bad combine and he didn't rerun his 44-5-5-40, but the guy's really good with the ball in his hands. So when you look at it from that perspective, there's going to be guys there. Maybe Garrett Wilson drops, right? But you got to get your guy in the draft. That's that's how I look at it right now. Okay, another way that Matt could improve is the defense is even better than it was last season. And I know that they sucked down the stretch after the bye week, blah, blah, blah. I know that. But for the most part, they were good during most of the season. Well, are they going to be better next year? Well, did they get a pass rusher to help out with some of the issues they had in terms of getting out to the quarterback? Somebody on the other side of Judon. And I believe that internally, yeah. Barmore is going to take a step forward. But did you go after Chandler Jones? No, he went to the Raiders. Did you go after Von Miller? No, he actually went to the Buffalo Bills. And is J.C. Jackson here? No, no, your best player on defense last year or your second best, however you want to grade him versus Judon. No, he's gone. And Terrence Mitchell's in. Terrence Mitchell, 30-year-old season. He's entering. One interception last year. 98.4 rating against. And if you look at... Again, citing the pro football focus grades, J.C. Jackson had an 82.7 grade. Miles Bryant, remember him? 60.7 grade. Jalen Mills, 67.5 grade. Which, by the way, just a complete side note, I know I've already had a couple of side notes tonight. I don't know why everybody hates Jalen Mills so much. Like, the guy's fine. He's a good player. He's not like a bad player. I thought he had a fine year. I don't know why everybody's all over Jalen Mills all the time. But anyway, the guy that you just brought in, Terrence Mitchell, $3 $3 million, bargain basement bill, shopping on the cheap. His pro football focus grade, 52.4. Worse than Miles Bryant, worse than Jalen Mills. Okay? So I'm not telling you that this is some big splash move that the Patriots just overvalue the player. They're barely paying him. They're paying him $3 million. But my point being, you didn't add a pass rusher, and maybe you do that in the draft at some point. And, of course, you lost your best defensive back in J.C. Jackson. So to help Mac Jones, you could get him more possessions. Like, I don't know, a guy that turns the ball over eight times had eight interceptions last year. You decided you did not want to pay him. So he's out of the equation. So you really have got to thread the needle here, right? You've got to have an unbelievable draft in order for Mac Jones to take a step forward in year two. In order for your team to be even close to what it was a year ago, you're going to need a big jump from your quarterback because here's the reality of the situation. The defense is not going to be nearly as effective as it was last season. How could it be? You lost J.C. Jackson. The defense is not going to be better next year. That means there's even more on the quarterback. So his line is completely changing. And look, I I give Bill time to see if he can upgrade that and see if the line can be better. But as of right now, it got worse. You lost your best offensive lineman in Shaq Mason. So when I look at it from that perspective, my bet would be that the line doesn't get better next season. And then you look at the fact that, oh, He still has the five aces as his receivers, okay? He does not have a legitimate bona fide number one receiver, which is kind of imperative in the NFL. Look at the teams that played in the Final Four. The Rams had Cooper Cup. 
The San Francisco 49ers got to the AFC or the NFC Championship, rather, with Jimmy Garoppolo because they had Debo Samuel and George Kittle. They had two legitimate bona fide number one options. Yeah, the Jamar Chase guy, pretty good for the Cincinnati Bengals, right? The Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey guys, uh, they're pretty good at football too, right? So I just add all those things up. And the Patriots, if they're going to get their quarterback to improve and make a leap in year two, man, you're asking a lot from the kid. When his line got worse, his weapons have not been upgraded, and his defense is going to be worse in year two as it was in year one. And there's one other way that the Patriots, and this is a real, real long shot, for how the Patriots, and in particular how Mac Jones can take a leap in year two, I have the one way that Mac Jones could really, and obviously the number one receiver is the number one thing because it doesn't matter who the coaching staff is. If you have the number one receiver, I don't care who the, who the hell you are. I mean, anybody could have told Joe Burrow, hey, um, throw it to the Chase guy. He's pretty good. The guy that gets it, throw it to that guy, right? Anybody can do that. So the number one receiver is the number one way that Mac Jones can improve in year two. But there's one other way. Now, this is a complete long shot. I'm going to give it to you next here on WEI, the number 617-779-7937. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. The Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Now, here's what's trending on WEI. Trending now is brought to you by 495 Chrysler Jeep Dodge's Jeep Celebration Event. During Jeep Celebration Event at 495 Jeep in Lowell, custom order your new Jeep. Get it fast in color and option you want and don't pay for futures you don't want. 495jeep.com. Well, a big blow for the Red Sox. We'll get into this in greater detail tonight. Chris Sale, he's going to miss opening day for the first, second, third straight season. Sale's dealing with a stress fracture in his ribcage. Hein Bloom said today, quote, we're talking weeks, not days, before we can get a baseball back in his hand. I mean, I'm just, I'm crushed over this one, man. I felt like, all right, year one, get his feet wet. He was good in that postseason game. Cora, get him off the mound. Don't let him face Alvarez a third time. That was clueless. But I felt like he was going to take a step forward, and here we go. Probably not going to pitch until June. Elsewhere, Kyle Schwarber inked a four-year deal with the Phillies worth $80 million. Chris Bryant signing a seven-year, $182 million deal with the Rockies. I, I don't know what the Rockies are doing. They got rid of all their good players. Stories in free agency. They traded Arenado a couple of years ago. I, John Gray's gone. I don't know what they're doing. The Blue Jays traded for third baseman Matt Chapman from the A's. Uh, that's a good thing for Bo Bichette. Bo Bichette, the worst shortstop in baseball defensively. Well, one of the worst shortstops. The most errors. And you get arguably, if not definitively, the best third baseman defensively. The C's out west for a date with the Warriors tonight. That game just underway. You got about seven minutes left in the first quarter. C's with an early 12-10 to 10 lead. Meanwhile, the Bruins in action as well tonight. They trail Minnesota 3-2. That game on the road for the Bees. Craig Smith, Brad Marsh, and the goal scores. No Patrice Bergeron tonight. He came back to Boston due to a lingering arm issue. Bruce Cassidy said today, today there could be risk of infection, so he's going to miss the game Friday night against the Jets as well. Then he's going to be reevaluated. NFL, the Pats signed cornerback Terrence Mitchell. Cue the duck boats. He spent last season with the Chiefs. Adam Schefter reports the Bucks signed Chris Goblin to a three-year $60 million deal. $40 million of that guaranteed. Von Miller, six years, $120 million from the Bills. Adam Schefter reporting $51.5 million of that guaranteed. $34 million fully guaranteed at signing. That's a good contract for Von Miller. The Titans, they're releasing Julio Jones. He never really played for them. How many games did he play? Three? The guy was barely on the field. Chandler Jones joining Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas on a three-year $51 million deal. 
And the now former Patriot, Jakob Johnson, going to the Raiders as well on a three-year contract. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. To it. WEEI Late Night and streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. All right, we're with you up until midnight. How concerned are you about the Patriots right now? If you want to wait on the Red Sox, they're on the table all night as well. And in particular, how can Mac Jones take a leap in year two based on where this roster is at right now? 617. 779-7937, the number. Now, I did say there's one other way. Now, of course, Bill needs to knock the draft out of the park again. And credit to Bill, he did last year. But there was a little bit of a dry spell, to be nice about it. I mean, what, 14 to 19? Uh, drafts weren't great, okay, during that stretch. But last year, unbelievable. Mac Jones, Christian Barmore, Ramondre Stevenson. We'll see if Ronnie Perkins can play. And we'll see if Cameron McGrone can play. McGrone, one of these guys that can run sideline to sideline, would have been an earlier pick, but of course fell in the draft due to an injury, so he went in the fifth round. He kind of got a redshirt year. So Bill's going to do that again. you got to figure out a way that the offensive line can at least be as good as it was a season ago, and that seems to be out of the picture right now with all these guys, with Shaq Mason out of the fold. We'll see what happens with Trent Brown, but he's out visiting with Seattle. And he's going to nail a receiver in the draft. In terms of the whole draft situation, the most important thing now is you got to identify that number one option for Mac. That's got to be priority number one. Once you get this quarterback that is now entering year two, every question you got to be asking yourself is, what am I doing to help that player? And right now, this offseason so far, if anything, Bill has hurt Mac Jones's chance to improve in year two. Now, here's the one thing that could help Mac Jones. Now, this, granted, this is a real long shot, okay? Because I know that everybody is down in the coaching staff. I understand why. Joe Judge is back. Patricia's working with the offense. It's a scary thought. Saw him out at the, uh, not the combine today. He was at the Georgia Pro Day. Got his pencil in his ear. He's ready to go, okay? He's doing the scouting. So this is what's going to need to happen 
partly if Mac's going to take a year two jump. Obviously, we referenced the number one receiver, but the other thing is this. I can't imagine Joe Judge is calling plays, and I can't imagine Matt Patricia's calling plays. Some of the reporting, and Mike Giardi was on with Andy Hart and Fitzy about two weeks ago, and he believes that Nick Cayley is going to be the play caller. So here's what has to happen. Nick Cayley needs to be better than Josh McDaniels. And Josh McDaniels, ton of experience. We all know that, but Josh McDaniels is somebody that I've had my issues with in the past. I don't know why Mac Jones was only 17th in attempts at a play action last season. And he was really good when he threw out a play action, but Josh McDaniels didn't like to dig into that. Okay, well, there is a recent example of a guy that took over for an offensive coordinator, and he was better than his predecessor in year one. And that's the Tennessee Titans. So the Tennessee Titans had Matt LaFleur, who would go on to be the Green Bay Packers head coach. Now, some of it was they had Marcus Mariota for the first couple of games, but they did have Tannehill. When Arthur Smith takes over in 2019, Ryan Tannehill, 117.5 passer rating, led the NFL by 25 points. His completion percentage went from 64.2% to 70.3 with Arthur Smith. Yards per game went up almost 50 yards. Not to mention, he dug into the play action. And the reason I mentioned the play action with Arthur Smith is Nick Cayley, also a tight ends coach. You look at all these guys that were tight ends coaches that became offensive coordinators. Sean McVay dug into it. Brian Dayball dug into it. All these guys, for whatever reason, that were former tight ends coaches that became offensive coordinators, they dug into the play action. Look at Brian Dayball's resume. Past two years with Josh Allen, first and second in attempts out of play action. And McVay did the same thing with Kirk Cousins. And then, of course, we saw what he did with Jared Goff when they made that run to the Super Bowl. Heavy play action team. I believe Jared Goff that year was number one in the NFL in attempts at a play action. So is it just a coincidence that all these guys that were tight ends coaches dig into the play action? Maybe that's something in terms of what Mac can do in year two. And just a side note on that, the Titans that year, or the two years with Arthur Smith, of course, now he's the head coach with the Atlanta Falcons. Eighth and fourth in offense, so pretty good. His second year with Ryan Tannehill, 158 passing attempts at a play action. That was third in the NFL. Oh, and by the way, with Arthur Smith, he had Jonu Smith. You look at the numbers in terms of Jonu. Last year in 2020, and I'm not defending Jonu. I'm just pointing this out. They schemed him open in Tennessee. So yards before catch in 2020, 5.1. This past season, 2.2. So I felt like what happened with Jonu Smith here is they tried to make him sort of I keep referencing the fact they need the number one option. They tried to make Jonu Smith the number one option. They looked at some of the advanced numbers. And remember, Bill referenced the fact that Jonu Smith is the best tight end of the NFL with the ball in his hands after the catch. He said that last year. And Bill, or two years ago, I should say. And it just didn't happen. It didn't materialize. So I believe that Bill was thinking, okay, they are going to be in a situation when we get him into our organization, he can be the number one guy. They looked at the numbers and they said, okay, with more volume, he's going to improve. The reality is he's just not a number one option. So maybe with a tight ends coach coming in, they can do a better job of throwing the ball out of play action rather than relying on Jonu Smith, which I feel like they tried to do last year. Oh, not to mention with um, Arthur Smith, still doing the same thing with Atlanta with Matt Ryan. I get it. There wasn't a good team last year. But as a rookie, Kyle Pitts, 1,026 yards, led the Falcons, 15.1 yards per catch. So I'm not saying that all of a sudden Kaylee's going to be Arthur Smith. But if Mac Jones is going to take a leap in year two, Nick Kaylee has got to be better than Josh McDaniels. Not too much to ask for. McDaniels been doing it forever. I, I've never liked McDaniels' scheme. I think there's issues with it. But the point being, these are all the things that have to come together in order for your quarterback in year two 
as a Patriots fan, to be better than he was in year one. You need Kaylee to be better than McDaniels. You need to find a number one option in the draft because you didn't get it via free agency or, to this point, via trade. You're going to need somehow the defense to be close to where it was a year ago. I can't see how that's happening. And then also you're going to need to figure out how this offensive line is going to be as good as it was a year ago because right now it does not look like a premier unit across the league. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. How concerned are you about the Patriots? Has Bill done enough to help Mac Jones, or is Mac Jones going to take a step back? Let's get to Wayne in South Boston. He's up late with us tonight. Wayne, what's up, man? Barrett, brother, I'm going to be coming part. I'm going to come into the family, brother. What do you mean, my family? I'm gonna, I'm going to be part of the family. You know, oh, oh, I thought you said you're moving. I thought you meant you're moving into my house. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> you're nuts. Hey, and uh, your your nice um, man. Wait, so you're you're you hired? Me? No, I got an um, interview with uh, Ken on the. Uh, it was hard pinning them down, dude. I went like to EEI four times. I couldn't get them. <laughs> I was like, oh, this guy. And uh, what's your name? Called him for me, and uh, everything worked out. Yeah, Ken wants you to come in in two weeks. Nice, nice. Congrats, nice. man. Yeah, and I said if you ever need an endorsement, I said just ask Barrett. And then. I'm sitting in the hallway, and uh, people that I used to work for, the radio station I worked for, Karen Blake and Fast Freddy, were both in there. We're like, Wayne, what are you doing? And I goes, I'm going back to work. Nice. <laughs> nice, Wayne. I like it. I like it, man. You'll fit in right in. You'll fit right in. A lot of crazy people here. Yeah, I know. All right. Let's talk about the pages real quick. Please just tell me this is not true. The biggest signing of today was Brian Hoya. Is it, am I hearing that right? Uh, is today, that what, like, happened? Uh, today they signed a corner, Terrence Mitchell. <laughs> oh, yeah, but before he got traded, it was just Brian, right? Well, I mean, they brought back some of the guys. They brought back McCourty. They brought back Matthew Slater. So they brought back some of the old guys. I knew that. I knew they were yeah. coming back. I know. What about Trent Brown? Did he leave us? Uh, he's out in Seattle right now. He, oh, Not signed he want, or anything. He, he's he, meeting with them. What, does he want big money, too? He said he wants he was to. Out for, what he was wa- he out for? Nine games last year? Yeah. Yep. Big, fat piece of you-know-what. Oh, um, come, wait, yeah, come on, he, come on. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? He's playing games with our team, man. Just let him know, does he, are you going to stay or are you going to leave? Don't be, uh, like, doing bouncing around. I think I don't know. I think Belichick's going to do good in the draft because I didn't see him do anything on uh, out here. He didn't really pick anybody up. Terrence, where's this guy Terrence from? He's from the Chiefs. Uh, not a great player either. No, not a great player. What's going on with um, Belichick here? Is he like uh, like sleeping or something? He's taking so many pills? I don't what's know what the hell is going guy? on with Bill. I got to tell you, Wayne, I have no idea whatsoever. But, hey, appreciate He's acting very weird, right, Brian? Yeah, well, I don't know how he's acting. The guy's non-existent. He's like a ghost trader. I don't know where the hell Bill is. I guess he's at Georgia uh, for I'm... the pro day, but I don't know where the hell he is. Yeah, but so yeah, but he's the one building the team, right? Supposedly, yeah. right? Yep. He doesn't look like he's building it very good because now free agency <laughs> just went by. Yeah. Now we got oh, oh come on, so we got to wait for the draft. Is he's going to get everything in the draft? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, that's what he's going to need to do, Wayne. Appreciate the call as always, and congrats on the news six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. The number, if you want to grab his line, he's going to have to hit the draft out of the park again. That's just the reality of where they're at right now, and I felt like. You know, one of the things about the Patriots is last year they spent all that money in free agency. 
And one of the things that jumped out to me is I thought, you know what? The Patriots are different than these other teams that in previous years have spent a ton of money on guys that were or free agents, right? The teams that spend the most money in free agency, they're different than these other teams. So I went through it. If you go back to 2016, the Giants that year were the free agent winners, if you will. They spent $108.7 million in guaranteed money on free agents. Okay, so in 15, they were 6-10. and 10. In 16, they make a jump, 11-5. and five. But then in 17, they go back to 3-13. and 13. How about the Jaguars in 2017? They were the free agent winners, $71.8 million in guaranteed money. The previous season in 16, they were 3-13. and 13. In 17, 10-6, and, and almost make it to the Super Bowl, right? The whole Miles Jack play. And remember, Gronk went out of that game. In 18, they're down to 5-11. and 11. Okay, the Bears in 18, they spend $121.9 million in guaranteed money on free agents. In 17, they were 5-11. and 11. And then in that 18 season where they spent, they go 12-4. and 4. 19, they're back to 8-8. Eight eight. Okay, how about the Jets in 2019? $107 million in guaranteed. So the previous season in 18, they were 4-12. and 12. They bump up to 7-9. and nine. And then you know what they went in 2020? 2-14. <laughs> then you look at the... 2020 Dolphins, $146 million they spend. The previous season, they were 5-11. and 11. They improved to 10-6. and six. Last year, 9-8. and eight. So that's the team that made the smallest fall, if you will, or had the smallest fall. All of these other teams' significant drop-off. And I was thinking for a while, like, the Patriots aren't going to be like those other teams. Yeah, I know it. Like, we, here locally, we don't really look at the Patriots and free agency spending a lot of money. And Robert Kraft even said that they laughed at these teams that spent all this money in free agency in the past. But the reality is it looks like the Patriots are in a very similar position to some of these other teams in terms of the following season. They didn't spend any money in in the offseason, right? They're not spending anything, which means they are going to have to hit a head in the draft and or nail these picks. And part of the reason for that is this. The reason the Patriots spend all that money in free agency last year is very simple because they had so many drafts between 14 and 19 that they didn't have to extend any of their players. They weren't extending many guys, with the exception of Shaq Mason, who is now traded. They really didn't extend many guys that they drafted during that stretch. I mean, you go back to 2019, think about that draft. That's one of the worst drafts of Belichick's career. That's when his drafting skills were really at their nadir. You're looking at Nikhil Harry, Joan Williams, and Chase Winovich. Harry's a bust. Winovich was traded yesterday for a part-time player from the Browns in Mac Wilson. Now, maybe he comes here and he's better. I mean, we've seen that happen before at the Patriots, the Kyle Van Noy's of the world. That happens. But the point being is Winovich was basically a non-entity for this team last year. And the second-round pick in Joan Williams, same thing. The guy's a non-entity. He can't play. So part of the reason you spend all that money in free agency last year is because of the fact that you royally screwed up in so many drafts in consecutive years that you weren't paying the players that you drafted like organizations across the league that were drafting well. So that's why now you find yourself in this hole if you're the Patriots where you don't spend money in free agency and you're going to have to nail this draft again if you want to get back to relevancy and being in the postseason like you were this past year. It just feels like the and not to mention the AFC in general has gotten better than it was in previous seasons, right? With some of these with the fact, for example, just Denver in and of itself they get a guy like Russell Wilson. They're immediately better, and that's a better roster than you have, not to mention now they have a better quarterback. And then you look at a team in your own division, like the Buffalo Bills, who the Buffalo Bills, we all know, were really good last season. If it wasn't for them choking against the Chiefs, they may have won the whole damn thing. Last year, the Buffalo Bills defensively, they had the best defense. They had a 30.8% pressure rate. That was first in the NFL. 
a 15.4% hurry rate. That was first in the NFL. They just signed Von Miller. And look, that contract, it, it looks like a baseball contract to me where it's going to be bad at the end of it. I mean, that's for damn sure. I mean, they signed him to, well, I guess technically, I mean, they're signing, a lot of it's up front in terms of the money that Von Miller was getting from the Buffalo Bills. But the point being, they gave him $120 million and 17.5 average for the first four seasons. So it's basically a four-year contract, but there's a lot of guaranteed early in the deal. But the point being that the Bills were already, by the metrics, one of the best pass-rushing teams in the NFL. ESPN's pass-rush win rate, they were at 46%, which was six. And that's how often a pass-rusher was able to beat his block within 2.5 seconds. Ed Oliver had a really good season for them in the interior. He was six in that metric among defensive tackles at 13%. And you just got Von Miller, who Von Miller was the 24th ranked player, according to Pro Football Focus this past season. Okay? The 24th ranked player. And they just added him to arguably the best defense of the NFL. So you see a team like the Buffalo Bills in your own division stacking things up. When we saw what it looked like the last two times the Patriots are on the field with the Buffalo Bills, the reality was Josh Allen completely picked you apart. And this whole idea of, and this is what really irritates me about the J.C. Jackson thing, this whole idea, one of the defense mechanisms that Patriots fans have turned to with J.C. Jackson is, yeah, well, he got torched by Stephon Diggs. Yeah, a lot of other people did too. And if you go by just a regular season now, 17 games, Right? That's 11.7% of your games. You're not playing Stephon Diggs every week. And this whole argument, well, you can't pay him because he got burned by Stephon Diggs. So now, is Terrence Mitchell going to get burned by Stephon Diggs? Is Miles Bryant going to get burned by Stephon? Oh, he got burned by Isaiah McKenzie. So is he going to get burned by Stephon Diggs as well? Yeah, I I tend to think that would be the case. Is Jalen Mills going to get burned by Stephon Diggs? So that is one of the worst things that I've heard. These people that are Patriots fans defending the J.C. Jackson move. And then the other thing I'd point to real quickly. Now, I applauded Bill for the offseason last year. And I'll continue to do so because of the Barmore pick, because of the Judon edition. Although I'd like Judon from the first 13 games to show up for the entirety of next season. And for the Stevenson pick and the Mac Jones pick, although I preferred Fields to Mac. Nonetheless, Mac Jones worked out in year two. We'll see who's uh, in year one. We'll see who's better long term, whether it's Justin Fields or Mac Jones. Although... I feel like the infrastructure for the Bears is a complete disaster, but it's a whole different story. You don't want to hear about the Bears. But the point being, I felt like Bill had a good offseason. Hunter Henry was a good contributor to this team. But he missed on a couple of guys. John U. Smith, I told you, I feel like Nelson Aguilar, he was used in the wrong way. Or not used in the wrong way, he just wasn't utilized. It's not like it was a glaring thing with him that he couldn't get open or something along those lines. They just didn't throw him the damn ball. His targets were down one a game. But nonetheless, he for what you signed him for, you didn't get any production out of the guy near the contract, right? John U. Smith sucked last year. Jalen Mills was fine. I don't have an issue with Jalen Mills. But the point being, if you didn't spend all that money on John U. Smith, or if you didn't put the money into Nelson Aguilar, is J.C. Jackson still here? Because this, to me, is one of the most aggravating parts about the entire offseason. You have a good player that you found undrafted. And look, I know there were issues off the field. That's part of the reason he went undrafted. You developed him. You were willing to move on from Stephon Gilmore because you felt he was the number one corner and you don't want to match the asking price of the Chargers? That's embarrassing. And what type of message does that send to these guys? Oh, hey, you play really well for the Patriots. You're a homegrown product. You're an all-pro. See ya. Same thing happened two years ago with Joe Tooney. Joe Tooney, all-pro. See ya. All right, 617-779. 
790-3737 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. All right, so if you do want to weigh in on the Patriots, how concerned are you with this offseason? And could you see Mac Jones taking a step back based on how Belichick has handled the offseason so far? If you want to weigh in on the Red Sox, do you believe they're really in on Freddie Freeman? And how concerned are you about the Chris Sale injury? We'll get into all that in just a little bit here on EI. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I didn't want to get this off my chest, though, because it kind of aggravates me. And I will get into the Red Sox in greater detail in the 11 o'clock hour. But the Red Sox on the table all night. How concerned are you about the Chris Sale situation? And do you think that Bloom needs to make a splash now? And the Patriots, of course, on the table all night as well. It's 617-779-7937. But I just want to mention this real quickly. So it feels like to me the Red Sox ownership group, gets criticized frequently for not spending money. Well, I just want to go through this real quick, and we can compare the two teams. So the Red Sox, since 2011, here's where they ranked in payroll in Major League Baseball. Since 2011, 2011 third, 2012 third, 2013 fourth, 2014 fourth, 2015 third, 2016 third, 2017 third, 2018 first, 2019 first, 2020 third, 2021 third, Okay. So the worst they were since 2011 in terms of payroll was fourth. Then I look at the uh, the Patriots, rather, in terms of total cash given out. Okay, this isn't about guaranteed money. This is total cash they paid out to players. In 2011, they were 17th. In 2012, they were 13th. In 2013, they were 24th. In 2014, they were 13th. In 15, they were 25th. In 16, they were 29th. In 17, all the way up to fourth. In 18, and remember, Red Sox, fourth was their lowest since 2011. In 18, they were 15th. In 19, they were 21st. In 2020, they were 30th. Last year, they spent all that money. They were up to 20th in total cash paid. So you just think about the narrative surrounding the Red Sox, and it feels like, now maybe I'm wrong in this, but people accuse the Red Sox, at least to me, all the time, the Red Sox are cheap. I hear that all the time about the Red Sox, that the Red Sox are a cheap organization. Now, I'm not telling you that the Red Sox ownership group is perfect. I would never say that. I mean, I think back to they botched the John Lester situation. There's no way around it. And I feel like that was more of the ethos of the organization at the time rather than them being cheap. They felt like at that time they shouldn't pay pitchers over 30. I mean, maybe they should have taken that advice when they gave Chris Sale the extension because that was going into his 30s, right? But that was not them cheaping out. That was the ethos of the organization. They weren't going to pay a 30-year-old, so they tried to go a little bit lower on the number. It was dumb. Like, I'm not defending the move. I'm just pointing out, like, there's other elements to that besides them being cheap. Would a cheap organization give Hanley and Pablo Sandoval all that money? Would they trade for Adrian Gonzalez? Would they give Carl Crawford all that money, right? So there's a lot of things you can say about moves the Red Sox have made as an ownership group and some of the guys they had working underneath them and criticize that. Certainly you can do that. <laughs> like rolling up with the five aces. I mean, I referenced the five aces earlier. This is probably this, the first time in like eight years we've heard about the five aces, right? But they've made mistakes as an ownership group. I'm not denying that whatsoever. 
But my whole thing is, with the Red Sox, they're painted as cheap as an organization. Well, what about Robert Kraft and the Patriots? Because it feels like when we look at the Patriots and Bill not spending money, it always goes back on Bill. It always goes back on Bill. It never goes back on the owner. And I just don't understand how Robert Kraft is never blamed for anything. And John Henry and the Fenway Sports Group is blamed for everything. And really, it goes across the town. Like, nobody really blames the Celtics ownership group for anything, even though they, they're not paying the luxury tax, right? Nobody blames them. And look, I'm not telling you it wasn't the right move for them to get under the tax this year. I'm not saying that. I'm just pointing out that it feels like the only ownership group that is constantly criticized in this town is the Fenway Sports Group and John Henry. And I just gave you all the money they have spent since 2011. And I compared that with the Patriots. The Patriots' best year, they were fourth in spending. The Red Sox' worst year, they were fourth in spending. And if you do it, if you add the averages, it's like 17.8 they were in terms of where the Patriots at on a normal basis every year. Yet we blame Bill for the bad drafting. I'm not defending Bill for his bad draft picks. I went through them. I mean, he's had a lot of bad drafts through the years. I'm not diminishing that whatsoever. But do you think there's sort of a budget for the organization on how much Bill can spend each and every offseason? Because they're always, it seems like, on the other side of 15 in terms of the spending. Not in the top 10, like the Red Sox are always in the top 10. And don't give me this crap about the salary. Well, Brian, you know there's a salary cap in the NFL. There's not a salary cap in Major League Baseball. I know, but I'm pointing, well, there's almost a salary cap in Major League Baseball. But why I'm pointing this out is this has nothing to do with the salary cap, the Patriots, in terms of total cash spent. This is their total cash spent. They could spend more than this. Other teams spend more than this each and every year. How about the Bucks last season? Tom Brady goes to Tampa, and it's going to be bigger this year. You know what the Bucks were in Tom Brady's second year in Tampa when they wanted to bring the band back? What, what was that thing that Bruce Arians used to say? I know he said bad business this year at the Combine. But what is it like run it back? Like he didn't want to use the Chiefs slogan, whatever it was. The Bucks last year, when Brady was going for back-to-back titles, they spent $256 million. That was second in the NFL. Remember, the Patriots, who we all applauded them for spending money last offseason, they were 20th at 209. <laughs> so last year, the Bucks spent $47 million more million than the Patriots did on their roster. I got a question for you here. because You're man? looking at the numbers. So is that total money spent on players? Yeah. So how much do you think that the fact that the Kraft group and the Patriots are also a larger business beyond just the roster, and they're shelling out, I mean, from what we've heard, ridiculous amounts to bill specifically every year. Do you think they're cutting costs on the roster side because they're spending quite a lot on their coaching staff? It could be. It could be part, like, it could be a whole budget, right? Where And maybe that's part of the reason that, to your point, Matt, that the coaching staff, we see that they're cheap with the coaching staff. And maybe that's part of the reason that they don't give titles, right? Like, remember Brian Flores, and I get part of it with Bill, is like earning the title. But remember Brian Flores' only year as the defensive play caller, he didn't have a title. He wasn't technically the uh, the defensive coordinator. He was the defensive play caller. So part of it, yeah, you're probably right. That part of it is it's budgeted out to the coaches. But, okay, so you're paying the coach all this money. Shouldn't you also be paying the players that type of money? That's what just... That's what always rubs me the wrong way, though. And and this is not to be just like a complete attack on the Patriots. It's just the fact that when I look at it, one ownership group gets criticized all the time. And the other ownership group, Robert Kraft, it feels like he's never criticized, even when 
Robert Kraft does things publicly that completely you should be able to pick up what Robert Kraft's doing and try to avoid any blame whatsoever. And when I look at it in terms of the total cash spent, I look at the teams that are going for it in the NFL, the Rams, the Bucks. they're willing to spend that money. Even when Brady was taking this team to Super Bowls, they weren't in the top tier in terms of spending money. I mean, you look at the years that Brady won Super Bowls in the last decade, right? In 14, the Patriots were 13th. In 16, when the Patriots won the Super Bowl, the Patriots were 29th in total cash. And then you go at 18, they were 15th. And Brady and the Patriots are winning Super Bowls with that roster. Not to say the rosters weren't great. Like, they made it work with the roster they had, but they were never like, and Bill said it, like, at the end of the time here that because they had the voidable contracts, if you will, they had to reset in 2020. But other teams wouldn't have reset. Look at the New Orleans Saints. How many years are they going to kick the can down the road? They just keep putting off their bill and keep giving up voidable contracts. They don't give a crap. The Patriots clearly do give a crap about that type of stuff. So, and like Kraft, the one thing that I just don't understand is why he doesn't get more criticism. Robert Kraft calls Stephen A. Smith during Stephen A. Smith's break of first take, the year that Tom Brady left, the day Tom Brady announced he was leaving the Patriots. He called him up to say if Tom wanted to stay, he would have been here. Well, uh, hold on. That's not the whole story. You guys and Bill didn't want to give him a multi-year contract extension. And Robert Kraft decided to side with Brady. Not to mention, <laughs> Robert Kraft also, and this is just my, me guessing, I believe that Robert Kraft is the one that said, we're going to allow you, Tom, to not be franchised. I believe Robert Kraft did that. Because why would Bill, a shrewd businessman, ever say, you know what? Let's, let's take the franchise away from Tom. Because that's Bill's power in the negotiating process. Right. So even if Bill wanted to keep going year to year with Tom, he could have with the franchise tag. So I put that on Robert Kraft more than I do on Bill. And I just don't understand how he escapes all the criticism as it pertains to the Brady Belichick thing. He chose Bill. <laughs> he did. I mean, that's the reality. He cho- if 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 this wasn't if this was Tom's decision, right? he could have years ago said, uh, yeah, hey, Bill, if you don't do what Tom wants, we're getting rid of you. He could have done that. But he chose Bill. I'm not telling you that was the wrong decision. I'm just saying it feels like he cowers away from that. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. If you want to weigh in on the Patriots and their free agency, what exactly is Bill doing now, and how does Mac get better in year two? Look at the offensive line right now. Look at the lack of weapons. Look at the coaching staff. How will Mac improve in year two? That's on the table. Plus, bad news for the Red Sox as it pertains to Chris Sale. What does it mean? What do they have to do now? I'll tell you in just a little bit here on WEI. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.